Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on June 4th, 2023, on the basis of 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 to 6. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I said in the, the introduction to the service, we're, we're going to be jumping into a, a new sermon series on, on Elijah. Um, maybe Elijah's a, a biblical character that you've at least heard of. Uh, he shows up in the Gospels. People compare John the Baptist to Elijah. Uh, Elijah actually shows up at the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus is transfigured before the disciples and to his left and right are Moses and Elijah, right? So this Elijah guy, he must be pretty important if he's showing up even in the, the New Testament here. Uh, that, that section about the widow of Zarephath, that's one that shows up in our regular rotation of, of readings. So that one maybe is familiar to you too. Uh, but there's going to be some, some stories here that, that maybe you haven't even heard read in church before. Maybe you've never heard before. Some of these might be, be new, so it'll be good to, to dig into Elijah. But, but no matter how much or little you know about Elijah, it's going to be good for us to have a little bit of context uh, before we jump into things. So I want to start by just giving you a little context of some of the, the key characters throughout the Elijah story and where we're at in history here. Uh, certainly this isn't extensive. Uh, you could find a whole lot more information um, about some of these, these characters, and you're going to pick up on some things as we walk through the, the story of Elijah here too. But the first thing that we, we want to determine is where in history are we? So I don't know if you're a timeline person. I, I'm a timeline person. I, I like to look at them. Um, there's a lot going on on this one here. So uh, I want to just point out a few things to you here, okay? So uh, if you look over here on the left side, you see the names David and Solomon. Uh, in the, the beginning of the Israelite kingdom, uh, when, when they first had a king, the first king was Saul. And then the, the kingdom became really unified under David, and ultimately Solomon was when the kingdom of Israel was the most unified, it was the most prosperous. Um, Solomon was, was, the wi- was the wise king, and, and he brought vast wealth to Israel at that time. But after King Solomon's death, the, the kingdom of Israel split into two. The, the northern kingdom was Israel, often called Israel. The southern kingdom was often called Judah. And they operated separately. Rehoboam was the, the king to the south, Jeroboam the king to the north, and, and they remained separate for, for the rest of, of time there. The, the, the northern kingdom was the kingdom where Elijah, you see Elijah's name here, where he was the prophet he was living in the northern kingdom, and he was the prophet to the, the people of the north. Uh, he was a prophet during the time of King Ahab, who was king roughly 60 years after the death of King Solomon. So King Ahab, he's going to be a, a pretty big character throughout this, throughout this whole deal here. Um, he, he was, if you know anything about him, remember this. He was extremely evil. He learned it from his dad, so it wasn't, it wasn't all a product of him, I guess. But uh, he took it to a whole nother level. His dad, Omri, was evil. But this is what the Bible says about King Ahab. 
It says, he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than those before him. And that's saying a lot. In fact, history will, re- will remember him as one of the most evil kings in the northern kingdom. And every king in the northern kingdom was evil. Every king in the northern kingdom did not follow God, but did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. But Ahab was a whole nother level of evil. He carried on some of the evil from the kings before him. Uh, one of the things that, that the kings before him had, had instituted that he carried on and perhaps took to the next level uh, was what was called the sins of Jeroboam. Now, the sins of Jeroboam are, are simply this. This shows up as you read First and Second Kings. When, they, when the kingdom of Israel split into two, the north and the south, Jerusalem was in the south was in the kingdom of Judah. Well, the, kingdom, the king in the north, Jeroboam, the first king there, he, he didn't want his people going down to Jerusalem to worship and to sacrifice. And so what did he do? He built two altars or shrines of golden calves, kind of sounds familiar, huh? At Bethel and Dan. So two different locations, one in the north, one in the, one in the south of the northern kingdom there, where people would go and essentially worship idols. And so King Jeroboam, he instituted idol worship in the, the northern kingdom. And King Ahab carried that on. But King Ahab took it to another level. And perhaps the worst thing that King Ahab did was to marry Jezebel. Uh, Jezebel is another one that, that shows up in the Bible quite a bit. Her name even shows up in Revelation, uh, synonymous with evil. So th- this kind of tells you a little bit about Jezebel. Jezebel was the daughter of, of a man who was the king and priest of Tyre and Sidon. You see those two up there on the, the coast. Um, he was the king and priest of Tyre and Sidon. His name was Ephbaal. He was a priest, but he was not a priest to the true God. He was a priest to the false god, Baal. So that's how Jezebel was, was raised. Here's another character coming into our story here. She was raised in the, a priest's house to a false god. And so when she married King Ahab, what do you think happened? They started mixing their religion a bit, right? So King Ahab still acknowledged Yahweh, the one true God. Uh, but he also condoned idol worship. He also started worshiping Baal. And just for fun, he added in the worship of Asherah in there as well. And so King Ahab and King Jezebel, this wasn't just a personal decision for them. This affected their whole kingdom. And the whole kingdom began to practice this syncretistic, this mixed religion here. Now, Queen Jezebel, she didn't just introduce a false religion, false gods to the northern kingdom. But she also actively tried to kill the prophets of the one true God. We'll see that as a theme throughout the, this Elijah sermon series too. That brings us to Elijah. So Elijah first shows up, his name first shows up in 1 Kings chapter 17. We don't get much background on Elijah. Besides the fact that he's a Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. We know where Gilead is. We don't quite know where Tishbe is. Is. But that, that's all the background we have on Elijah. And then we see him coming before King Ahab. Now with that very little context that you have there, you know enough about Ahab to, to try to imagine how Elijah must have felt coming before 
King Ahab. And bringing him news that, that wasn't good news, by the way. Even kind kings, if you brought them something that displeased them, they would punish you. Even the kind ones, even the good kings would do that. Just imagine what King Ahab could have done to Elijah. Yet Elijah goes before him. <laughs> he goes before him and he lays forth the, the truth, knowing that uh, King Ahab might kill him. And this might lead you to, to admire Elijah's faithfulness. That, that even with the threat of death, perhaps, or, or the threat of losing something, he, he faithfully did what God directed him and commanded him to do, to go to Elijah and to pass on this message to Elijah. He was faithful despite what might happen to him. You can start making all those applications in your head. Uh, of all the things that God asks you to do, where, where you, you might be giving something up to do it. We can admire Elijah's faithfulness, but we should also observe something about his faithfulness too because his faithfulness had a result, didn't it? Elijah faithfully proclaimed the message, yes, but then what did he have to do? He, he had to flee. He had to get out of there because King Ahab was going to kill him. He told, in the text it says that he was supposed to hide. Obviously someone's after him, whether it was Ahab or, or Jezebel. And on top of all of that, He's got to live through that drought, just like everybody else does, but he's not going to be able to try to survive that drought near his home. He's going to have to try to do it out in the Kirith Ravine. And so we haven't gotten too far into the story of Elijah, and I think we already have some, some takeaways here. Upheaval happens in everybody's life. That's not distinct to Elijah's time. You've likely had some upheaval in your life, and it may look different at different times. But, but here's one thing we can learn from that. This is not a result necessarily of, of God's punishment or his displeasure with Elijah. Right? Elijah is doing exactly what God told him to do. Go before Elijah, or go before King Ahab and, and re relay this message to him. Elijah was faithful to God, and yet this still, this still happened. This upheaval still happened. And, and so here's one truth that we can take away for this morning. Walking with God, following God's commands, does not mean easier. In fact, a lot of times it means things will be harder. It, that's really in, important it's an important framework through which to look at life because it goes exactly opposite to, to what is natural and default to us. We default to, to easy. We default to the, the path of least resistance. If you're interested uh, this afternoon, look, look up a couple, uh, type into something along those lines to, to Google uh, that we default to, to easy. There are studies upon studies of how humans will naturally pick the easier route, pick the path of least resistance, and even more so when we're, we're worn down and we're, we're tired. Now, now imagine if Elijah would have, have done that. 
Uh, imagine if Elijah would have, have taken the easy route instead of doing what God had said. Things might have been quite a bit different. Now, I, I should say, the easy route is not always wrong. The easy route's not always sinful, but sometimes it is. And when the easy route is sinful, Christians are, are faced with this dilemma. When faced with a difficult choice and an easy choice where the difficult choice honors God, but the, the easy choice dishonors God, which, which one will you, as a Christian, choose? Ah, easy question, right? You're sitting here in church on Sunday. I know your, what your answer would be. It's pretty easy it, sitting here, right, right here, right now, but those situations are rarely easy. They're rarely simple. They're often very complex. They often include a lot of high emotional uh, scenarios there. Think of Elijah. He, he's standing before King Ahab, or, or even before he goes to see King Ahab. W- what is he thinking that he might lose? His home, his income, his life <laughs> even? He, he's thinking that he could lose all of these things if he comes before Ahab. And he does go before Ahab, and what happens? He loses his home. He's away from what he knows. If he had an income of some sort at that time or somebody supporting him, he's away from that. He's going to have to try to survive a drought in a place that he's never been before. When life looks that bleak, like Elijah's life looked, is it easy to follow what God commands and what God obeys? If following God's commands meant for you that you would lose something like that, your, your home, your, your income, or you'd have to take a, a significant pay cut, you'd lose something that, that's kind of important to you, or even lose your, your life, would you follow God? Would you continue to be obedient to him? Or would you kind of fall into the the excuse that a lot of people fall into? When they're faced with a difficult choice and an easy one where where the difficult one honors God, but the the easy one dishonors him, we we choose the easy one and say, well, God will understand. God will understand the situation that I was put in. He he knows that that I had to choose this one. I had to choose the one that dishonored him. He, He knows He'll understand, he'll look the other way. You know what what lies behind compromising on God's word? What what lies behind choosing what's easy, even when it dishonors God, is really a lack of trust in God. A, A lack of trust in his protection and his provision. If Elijah wouldn't have trusted that God would protect him, he never would have gone in front of King Ahab in the first place. If Elijah wouldn't, didn't trust God's protection and provision, he wouldn't have picked the Kirith Ravine to go, to go uh, hide in. Elijah wouldn't have made any of those decisions if he didn't trust God's protection and provision, but because he did trust God, it gave him the ability and the desire to carry out God's command. 
So let's extrapolate that out a bit. When you find that you've compromised on God's word, when you find, found that you took the easy route in a case where that dishonored God, a lot of times what lies at the root of that is a lack of trust in God. So, let's build our trust in God this morning. Let's build our trust in God because he promises throughout Scripture that he will always provide for you. There are passages upon passages that we could look at for this, but for this morning, I just want us to look at two from the book of Psalms. Here's the first one here. Sometimes you hear this as the beginning of some prayers, like a meal prayer or something like that. It says, The eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. God is the provider. Yeah, he works through means. He works through the farmer. He works through other workers. And yeah, guess what? He works through you. He works through you to earn an income so that you can pay for the food on your table and the the shelter over your, your head. But, but make no mistake about it, God is still the one providing. And his promise is that those who look to him, those who trust him for this providing, first of all, will not be put to shame. God always fulfills his promises. And number two, those who look to him will receive what they need at the proper time. You notice that that's not when I want it or when I think it would be needed for me. Not, not my time, but his time. Those who look to him will always receive what they need at the proper time. Here's another passage for us. Psalm, Psalm 84 here. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord, God, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Those who walk with the Lord lack no good thing. Now you could say that certainly in in one sense because uh, you have everything that you need spiritually. With the Lord, he has given you all of that through Jesus. And don't hear that wrong either. This, This doesn't mean we're living in the lap of luxury. This doesn't mean that we have all the expensive things. God may choose to bless you that way, but that's certainly not a promise that he makes you in Scripture. But what he does say is God has in mind for you that which is good for you. So imagine Elijah's getting ready and packing up and ready to flee and get out of there. What are some things that are going through his mind, do you think? Um, how am I going to survive? How am I going to eat and drink? Is King Ahab going to find me and kill me? If, if you've had some times where your prayers seemed really, really heavy, there was a lot of substance to them, you imagine for Elijah, this was one of those times. What, what do you think he expected as he brought those requests before God? Uh, of course, this is a bit conjecture here. We don't have that written in Scripture for us. But, but what do you expect when you bring prayers to God, these heavy requests to him? Well, well certainly you, you expect a few things. You wouldn't be praying to him if you didn't know that he heard you. You wouldn't be praying to him if you didn't know that he could and and maybe would give you what you're you're asking. 
But, but you might even have more expectations than that. Maybe not ones that you, you even consciously think about, but ones that just kind of pop in there. Have you ever done this? I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this. When I, I pray for something, and I think I have a sort of an idea of how God might carry that out. You know, I, I might have even like a little subtle suggestion of how God could carry that out. If you're praying for, if you're praying for someone to get, get better when they're in the, the hospital, your subtle expectation might be that, oh God, you could allow the medicine to start working or the doctor can find a, a cure. If you're struggling and weighed down by, by debt and you're bringing that to, to God in prayer, you might think, well, maybe God can give me a bump, in, a bump in pay or we can come into some sort of inheritance to pay off some of this, this debt. It, whether or not we, we maybe admit it, we, we maybe have these subtle suggestions for God. We may have these subtle expectations of, of how God might carry out that prayer. We, we don't know what Elijah's were. We don't know what his specific prayers were. But you know what I bet he never expected? Ravens. <laughs> I bet he never expected to be fed by ravens. When God told him to go to the Kirith Ravine, the, the Kirith Ravine is, is kind of in the middle of nowhere. How is God going to provide for me there, especially during a drought? And yet there God does provide for him in a way that he never expected. God answers all of Elijah's prayers and protects him by keeping him away from King Ahab in a secluded place where he wouldn't have to go out in the view of people where he might be spotted. And he provides him with food and water so he can survive. So here's takeaway number two for us. You can always trust God's promises. His promise to protect and his promise to provide. But you should also know that God might do it in a way that you never expected. God might provide for you in the most unconventional manner of all time. And we'll even add this. He might provide for you. He might provide protection for you in even ways that you don't even perceive. But one thing you can trust for sure is that he will always provide and he will always protect. So, we bring our prayers to God with, with confidence. Confidence in who he is and in his promises that he lays out for us that he will always provide and protect, but in his way, not in ours. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us for our doubt and, and how that doubt has manifested in our lives. Bolster in us a trust in you, a trust for your provision and for your protection. Help us to be diligent in prayer and thankful for however you choose to answer those prayers. In your holy name, amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Uh, if you like the content that we're putting out as a church, could you do us a favor and could you hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast? That helps us get seen by more people more often so that more people will hear about Jesus. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today and, and we hope you tune in again next week for another sermon.